the thoughts of man was continually wicked and violence was happening. Finally, God said, enough is enough. I'm gonna destroy the world, but I'm gonna save the one family that is righteous, that is Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the author of Why Life Hurts and co-author of Evangelism Made Simple. I hope your week is going great. And today on Monday, October 30th, we're gonna kick off our week with the last week of messages in our Old Testament obsolete series for a while. We're gonna come back to it, but we're going to be going into some other topics for a while. And, but I listen, I believe that the Old Testament is so important. It has been minimized by some lately that we don't really need to know it. We don't really need to study it. It's kind of irrelevant. And, and maybe that attitude is because we call it the Old Testament. Maybe that's not the best name. I think New Testament is a great name for the Greek scriptures, the Christian Bible, the story of Jesus, the Gospels, Acts, the, the epistles, and Revelation. But I, I really believe that we have to go back to the Old Testament for so many things. I mean, so many times these things are mentioned in the New Testament, so we need to know the entire Bible, and we're going to talk more today about the flood of Noah, where did all the water go after Noah's flood, as we last time talked about the where did all the water come from. Now we're going to talk about where did all the water go after the flood, and what would the world have been like? So these are important topics, and I think we need to be equipped to answer people's questions on these issues. Just before we get into this, don't forget, today I'll be unveiling an obsolete item on stage. Today I'm going to unveil an overhead projector. Boy, that'll take you back, won't it? I also want to mention that InGrace has some travel opportunities for you. We have three scheduled trips to Israel coming up. Now, two are, are sold out. You can add your name to the waiting list for February of 2024, of June of 2024, and then February of 2025. The third trip we have space on, and we would love for you to consider coming with In Grace to Israel. Uh, we have hundreds of people that travel with us, and I would love to show you the amazing land of Israel. Also, I'm excited because we have a new series that we're starting we started it last week, and we're going to continue it through the rest of three more weeks. It's called Exodus Found. And I have a free map of the route of the Exodus and other important data about the Exodus of Israel out of Egypt that I would love to send to you for free. Contact us today and get your free Exodus Found map, 1-800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. We are in our series, Is the Old Testament Obsolete? I'm really surprised at how you all are getting older. Every day you're getting older. Uh, I just, I shake my head at it. I'm like, what's wrong with you all? No, we're all, we're all getting older and things are going obsolete faster. You ever notice that? So what, what is so in demand and so you know, relevant today, tomorrow might not be. I've got a object up here, and I'd love to unveil it for you. Some of you know exactly what it is, especially if you did children's ministry 20 years ago or more. Uh, this was high tech. Do we have any kids in here that want to make 20? Yes, you. Come on up. All right, let's give her a hand. All 
All right, what's your name? Clara. Clara, and do you have any idea what this is? No. No, okay. Well, that actually is good because it helps my illustration. All right, how many of you know what this is? Okay, half of you. That's, that's really sad. Are you sure not more of you know what this is? This was a big part of my childhood. Okay, I'm going to have you push that button. Oh, now check it out. So this is what's called an overhead projector. And so you have this really high-tech thing. What do we even call this? Transparency. And you put it on there. You see that? It's, it's like on there. And then you put it on there, and then it shines it up. And you got to make sure it's not backwards, right? And this is the pledge to the Christian flag. All right, isn't that, isn't that pretty amazing, Clara? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you want one now, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your parents are like, you better not. All right, so what you would do is you'd move it around or put a piece of paper and hide, like, the, the different things and then reveal it. Pretty cool, huh? All right, let's give Clara a huge hand. Well done. Oh, one last thing. Spend that quickly before cash goes obsolete, okay? All right, good. $20 used to be so much money. But can you buy much for $20 these days? Seems crazy, doesn't it? If you go to a fast food place, just you, you might be spending close to $20 at a fast food place. Crazy, isn't it? All right, there's something that will never go obsolete, friends, and that's this. Isn't that wonderful? We have a really old book. I mean, this is really old. It's been completed for over 2,000 years, but it's still relevant and, and life-changing and life-impacting today. And not just the, the second third of the book, but the entire book is relevant today. As a matter of fact, the Bible has some verses about that in Isaiah 40. This is our theme verse for the series. Verse 8, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Isn't that wonderful? Think about that. The word of our God will stand forever. And we have something here that is going to last. It's going to continue to be alive when we pass, and it's going to help generation after generation. We were in Alaska recently, and they have something called fireweed. It's the most beautiful flower. I wish they wouldn't call it a weed. Uh, the reason they do is because it comes up quickly after a forest fire. And it's, the, it's a long stem, and the flower starts low, and, and it goes all the way up. And then they said when it's almost lost all its petals, winter is about to come. And summer only lasts maybe two months in Alaska. But beautiful, beautiful flowers all over that part of the country. And, but the flowers fade. The grass withers. But the word of our God stands forever. Say amen if you're happy about that. Amen. Now, we, we call the, the first two-thirds of our Bible the Old Testament. It's, it's just what we've called it. Now, does, and some people assume that that means it's replaced. We don't need it anymore. It's old. Some people have said, well, let's call it the Hebrew Scriptures, and that's probably a good name for it, or let's call it the Older Testament, okay? But, but when we call it the Old Testament, it really implies that it's out of date. 
Now, the old covenant is out of date, and that was the covenant that God gave his people in Israel, that they could be a light to the world, and he gave them all sorts of laws to follow. The problem with the laws is they broke the law even before they received the law. And then when they received the law, they had broken the law again on Mount Sinai when the, the law says of the Ten Commandments to not worship any other gods. And they had already started to worship the golden calf. And that's our problem. That's the problem with any religionist. The Jew that's religious or orthodox. The Jew that's trying to earn salvation through works or the Catholic or the Protestant or the Hindu or whatever the religionist is, they're trying to obtain nirvana, heaven, paradise by their good works. But God says, your righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. The best you can do on your own is absolutely despicable in the eyes of God. So friends, we have no hope apart from God coming to do what we couldn't do. And the New Testament is the new covenant, and it's in the blood of Jesus Christ. And now we have the power to live the way God wants us to, to fulfill our purpose, purpose because of the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And if we yield to the Spirit of God, we can fulfill all the things that God has for us. So you say, well, what's the place of the Old Testament today? Well, the place is, we really wouldn't understand a lot of the stories and illustrations and references and quotations in the New Testament without the Old Testament. Some have been preaching lately that uh, the Old Testament is just not necessary. Why, why are we focusing on it anymore? Well, this church says, hey, we really wouldn't understand a lot of the foundation, the, the important things of God without the Old Testament, especially the book of Genesis. And that's where we find ourselves today. What we've been doing in this series is using a principle found in the New Testament and using that as a springboard to go back to the Old Testament and read about the story, the episode, the principle uh, that is there. So we're going to do that again today as we answer the question, where did all the water go after Noah's flood? Have you ever been asked that question? Have you ever thought of that question? That's a good question, right? The one question is, where did all the water come from? Where did all the water go? How did all the animals fit on the ark? Right? These are questions that people ask, especially if they're critical of Scripture. But these are good questions, and we have good answers. Okay? Hopefully. We'll go into that today. Uh, I believe we have good answers because they come from the Word of God. 2 Peter 3.3, a New Testament passage referring back to the flood, also referring to the future. I love when the Bible connects something in ancient past into prophetic future. And this is one of those places. Knowing this, 2 Peter 3, 3, first, that there shall come in the last days. Anytime the Bible says last days, it's referring to the end times, the final days of this planet as we know it. Scoffers. Now, is that true today? Scoffers walking after their own lust? Absolutely true. It's the predominant narrative that this is maybe somewhat true, but it's not all true, and those things that are true are your opinion and your truth, and you can have your truth as long as you don't say there's one truth. That's when you can't have your own truth, when you say there's one truth. 
but scoffers, people that mock the things of God. They mock the way God designed gender and sexuality. They, they mock the fact that life is sacred and begins in the womb, and it goes all the way to the end of natural life, and we need to protect that, that sacred, unique human life that is unique and different from any other life that is on this world. Embark on a journey to explore the inspiring story of the Exodus within grace. Call now for your free Exodus map, 800-78-GRACE. This map depicts the route of the Israelites during their escape from Egypt. When you give $35 or more, you'll receive the Exodus map and our brand new video series, Exodus Found, where Jim Scudder Jr. retraces the Exodus in Egypt and Saudi Arabia, diving into the Red Sea to uncover evidence of the miraculous crossing. For those giving $250 or more, you will get the complete Exodus package, the map, the video series, and a beautiful, exclusive 16 by 20 canvas print showcasing the miraculous Red Sea crossing. And from now until the end of the year, a generous donor will be doubling all gifts. To get these limited-time exclusive materials, call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com or write to InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. The idea that God created is mocked. It's scoffed at. It's the, the idea that there was a global flood is scoffed at today. Well, a lot of Christians are embarrassed by this, but they shouldn't be because when you really study this through, you're going to find out that the science is on our side. Observable science is on the side of the Bible. Why is that the case? Well, because you weren't there. But God was, and he tells us what happened. Okay? How foolish are we to think that we can figure out what happened apart from God? Okay? Verse 4 of 2 Peter 3, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? That's another thing that's mocked. If you believe that Jesus is coming back like I do, like this church does, you're also going to be mocked. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. Now, this is an important sentence, and I think that this is in reference to what we call today uniformitarianism. In other words, that all that we see has always been the same rate, the same process, the same time, especially geologically, okay? We're gonna come back to that a lot today. In verse five, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by, what, the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. I believe that's the reference to creation when God brought land up out of the water. The whole earth was water, the land was brought up out of the water. And then God started to populate the seas and the land and the skies in these six literal days, 24-hour days, of creation. Verse 6, whereby the world that then was being what? Overflowed with water. Perished. This is not a local flood. That's another thing that some Christians say. Oh, this was a local flood. Well, why would God bring two animals onto the ark if it was a local flood and they could just go to high ground. That's a silly thing. Okay, we're talking about a global flood. So here, Peter references the flood, the global flood, the whole world perished. And so does Jesus in Matthew 24, 37, again comparing something in the future with something that happened in the past. As the days of Noah, 
were, okay, so we're talking about Noah, a real historical figure. If you believe that Jesus is who he said he was, God in the flesh, and was perfect and could not sin and could not lie and could not get things wrong, he believed in a literal historical person named Noah. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So as as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes back, the second coming of Jesus onto this earth. That's the end times. So what were those days like? Well, the Bible says they were wicked. The thoughts of man was continually wicked and violence was happening. All sorts of heinous things were happening. Finally, God said, enough is enough. I'm gonna destroy the world, but I'm gonna save the one family that is righteous, that is Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. As in the days that were before the flood, this is Jesus talking about a flood of Noah, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. So they were just living their life. They were not heeding to the warnings that God had given through Noah. And knew not until the flood came and took, what, them all away. Is this, is this a local flood? No, this is a global, massive water catastrophe. You say, well, if there was such a thing as a global, massive water catastrophe, wouldn't you see evidence for that? Yeah, how about billions of fossils laid down in layers that go across continents and actually go across oceans? Is that evidence of a global water catastrophe? These fossils had to be laid down and these sediments had to be laid down with water. This was a massive global flood. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, Jesus is saying that uh, people won't be ready. They won't be taking the warning seriously. And the the world was destroyed at that time by water, in the future by fire. God said, I'll never destroy the world again by water. Every time you see a rainbow, it's a promise of that. So what, let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's go back and find out what Jesus and Peter were talking about with this flood. Well, Genesis 7, 4, it says, yet seven days I will cause it. So Noah had gotten on the ark, the door was shut, and seven days it's going to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And people say, well, there's no way 40 days of rain could possibly flood the entire world. Okay, we're going to talk about that. How is that possible? And every living substance that I've made, I will destroy from off the face of the earth. We know the only exception to this are those that were on the ark of air-breathing creatures, man and the animals. Now, God didn't say to take the the fish, maybe not the, the reptiles, anything that can survive in the water, but everything else brought on the ark and all the rest of the living creatures were gonna die. Now, we've already covered these things, but let's remember the size of the ark. This is very important. When all of you go and see the full-scale, full-size ark at Answers in Genesis in northern Kentucky, you all are amazed at the size, right? It's because we have this image of a little boat with a couple draft heads sticking up, and you just think, how could all the animals fit on the ark? And that's a logical question. Well, when you see it, 450 feet by 75 by 45 the ark's volume is a million and a half cubic feet of space. This is a massive, massive ship when you talk about the three floors. And if you were able to put average-sized animals, so you take the average of the animals and put them in the ark in a cage 
their size or a little bit bigger than them, the ark could fit 125,000 of these animals. So then the question is, well, aren't there millions of species? Wouldn't you need more than 125,000? Well, here's what you have to understand are the kinds. The Bible talks about the kind. What is a kind? It's basically a species that can't have offspring with another species. They're, they're locked in. So in other words, the horse kind would include the, the, uh, the donkeys, the zebras, everything that's in the horse kind. At one point, they would have come from two original horses. Or the dog kind is another great example because you have so many variations of dogs today, but they would have all come from a probably more of a wolf-like creature. Okay, so the kind is very important. You have the cat kind. You have the the dog kind. So that's going to really pare down the number. So how many animals would need to fit on the ark? And this is even counting extinct animals. You're talking about four to 7,000. Let's even say 10,000, just to be safe. Could you fit 10,000 animals on an ark that's big enough for 125,000? Absolutely. You've got lots of room. You've got room for food, room for water, room for the family, room for them to have a space. We have plenty of room on the ark now, don't we? When you understand the kind and you understand how many there would have been. Now, you say, well, what about dinosaurs? Well, I wouldn't probably take a full-size T-Rex, okay? I'd just take a young one. And the young ones are going to be better after a year being on the ark at breeding and so forth. And so um, that's just the way, a smart way to do it. So you're not having uh, necessarily these massive animals on the ark. Okay. So that's a little bit of review. The ark is plenty big once you understand the kinds and the size of the ark. Another question has been, how can there be enough water in rain to flood the entire earth, to cover the highest mountain? Now, we have very high mountains, right? The Himalayas are massive, thousands and thousands of feet high. So how do you cover that? Well, there's a couple things you have to remember. The Bible seems to imply that we didn't have mountains as we do today at that time. In the original creation, they would have had hills. The Bible says the water covered the highest hills. So I would say maybe a small mountain or a high hill would have been the highest of these hills or mountains at the time of creation all the way up to the flood. You say, well, then why are there such high mountains today? The Himalayas, Mount Everest, Denali, whatever these high mountains are, and they're really high. What caused that? Well, we know what's causing that. It's the collision of plates. And that's what, what's happened in the Himalayas. It's, they're still going up today. The mountains in Canada, we were on our way home from Alaska. We went through Banff, and these are magnificent mountains. They're still rising today from plates either subducting or running into each other. And we know that's how these mountains have formed. We're going to hit the pause button right there. More about this important issue of plate tectonics. Where did the water go after the flood tomorrow on our Tuesday edition of In Grace? Now, I mentioned at the beginning of today's program, I've got a free map for you. This map is the route of the Exodus. A lot of debate has been about whether Israel was ever in Egypt or what was the route. Was it a, a shallow lake that God parted? No, it was a massive body of water. So I went to Egypt with my film crew and we filmed there and in Saudi Arabia. I I am so excited about this free map. You really need this so that you can be more equipped to understand the route of the Exodus. Now, for those of you that support In Grace, we have a matching gift campaign happening from now to the end of the year. So your gift of $35 or more will be doubled and 
I'm going to send you not only the map, but our full four-part series filmed in Egypt and Saudi Arabia on the route of the Exodus. For those of you that can give generously to Ingrace $250 or more, that will be doubled. And we're also going to include not only the map and the video series, but a beautiful, large print on canvas of the parting of the Red Sea. This was done in-house by one of our artists. It's beautiful. And I love this because you can actually see whales in the water that's being parted. So contact us today, 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE, or go to ingraceradio.com. Call now for your free Exodus map, 800-78-GRACE. When you give $35 or more, you'll receive the Exodus map and the video series Exodus Found. For gifts of $250 or more, you will also receive a beautiful, exclusive 16 by 20 canvas print showcasing the miraculous Red Sea crossing. Also, a generous donor is matching all gifts until the new year. Call 800-78-GRACE. Visit ingraceradio.com or write to Ingrace, P.O. Box 9. Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.